0: His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Let me just pray for Bernard as he comes up to speak to us today. Father God, we thank you for our brother Bernard, we thank you for the word that you've given him today, and we pray that you would help him to preach with real clarity what you've got to say to us today, and pray that you give us the courage to apply what he's got to say to us through your word, to our hearts. Amen.
1: Well, uh, thank you very much, it's a a real uh, privilege to be with you, um, sharing in fellowship uh, once again, and... um, these strange days that we're living through, this uh, totally unpredictable year that we've had. Um, But you're here, and we're here now, and just for the next little while, I hope this hour that we're spending together will be a real uh, tonic uh, for each one of us. Well, we're nearly there, aren't we? Um, The excitement mounts, doesn't it? What's it to be for you? Is it going to be the new PS5 with a great bundle of games? Uh, Is it going to be an iPhone 12 Pro Max, 6.7-inch screen? Fancy one of those. Um, Is it going to be a new bike with disc brakes? Wireless headphones? Apple AirPods? Well, I I think you can't get hold of them. I think they're stuck in a warehouse in Belgium, aren't they? They can't get them over here. Is it going to be a drone? One of those with a video that takes video of your Neighbours' back gardens for you to have a, a laugh at. A bike. The list goes on. When you get to my time of life, you're lucky for a pair of socks. And some of us are old enough to remember when we were small, uh, giving bath cubes to our grandmas and grandfathers. None of you are old enough to remember that. I hope you get what you want this Christmas. And despite all the adverse circumstances that we're living through, I hope that you have a wonderful time over these next days. But just for a few moments this afternoon, I want to spend uh, just a short talk on the reason for the season. And you know, we can enjoy all the fun and the joy of Christmas, but only if we have the foundation right. Now, uh, I've been asked if I would speak uh, on this passage known as the, the Benedictus. That sounds very Latin, doesn't it? Um, uh, that's Luke chapter 1, 67, 68 to 79 that we just read a few moments ago. It's a tremendous portion of scripture. And I pray that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, will uh, speak to us afresh this afternoon. Particularly for those of us who are in danger of over-familiarity with the story. It's always a danger, isn't it, this time of year. Let's set the scene for the narrative. For over 400 years, there's been no major prophet. There's been no word from Yahweh, the Lord, the God of Israel. Furthermore... Israel is a land that's militarily occupied by the Roman Empire, by the Roman Empire, uh, by the Roman Army, and the Jews, the people of God, they hate it. You know, throughout the whole of Scripture, God's timing is always perfect. He's never early, and he's never late. Whatever we may think of our transient circumstances, God's timing is always perfect. The story so far, The Lord had sent an angel, Gabriel, to a a priest, an elderly priest called Zachariah. He'd been married to Elizabeth for many years, but alas, they were childless. That was a great sadness for a Jewish uh, couple, and for a Jewish lady, a married Jewish woman, there was almost a shame, almost a stigma attached to having a status like this. And the angel comes and appears in the temple by an altar, where Zechariah just happened to be on duty in the temple that day. And Zechariah was understandably stunned as he sees the angel standing there. And the angel gives Zechariah this wonderful message. "Zachariah, you're going to be a dad. Elizabeth is going to have a baby after all these years and his name will be John and he's going to be a mighty prophet before God and he's going to prepare the way of the Lord, the Messiah that you've been waiting for, for all these generations. Zachariah can hardly believe it, so much so that he is absolutely gobsmacked, he's stunned and the angel Gabriel says, Zachariah, because you haven't taken me at my word you're going to be struck dumb and you will not speak until this your baby has been born. Now we know that Almighty God was doing something remarkable here, something strange is happening because very, almost about the same time, very shortly before that, this same angel, Gabriel, appeared in Nazareth to uh, Elizabeth's cousin, a young virgin girl called mary she would only have been 13 say 14 maximum she was engaged to a a carpenter called joseph how old would he have been 14 say 15 maximum and the angel had gone to mary and said mary out of all the people in the world almighty god has chosen you to be the mother of my son and you will have a baby and he will be the son of god can you imagine mary's reaction to that so by and by, Mary goes on a journey to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who lived in Jerusalem. And, and, and the journey from uh, Nazareth to Jerusalem, it's 65 miles, it might have taken three days at least, on a donkey perhaps. Nazareth wasn't a very wealthy place. And uh, Mary gets to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth greets her cousin Mary, they're delighted, and Elizabeth shares her news, after all these years, I'm going to have a baby. And then Mary shares her news about her pregnancy, and Elizabeth says, as soon as I received your greeting, the baby with inside me leapt. God is doing something wonderful here. But Zachariah the father, he's lost his voice. Because of unbelief. And can I say, just a point of application to all of us uh, this this afternoon, friends. You know, the sin of unbelief is a most heinous sin. It's It's a serious sin. When we do not believe the word of God, when we do not believe the promises of God, he cannot use us in his service and we lose all our joy. The sin of unbelief. There's going to be something special about this baby John. And all the people of Judea, when word got out because Elizabeth hid herself for five months, uh, she didn't want to go out in the public. And eventually, I suppose, it showed and, and it became common knowledge. But the people of Judea were wondering what's going to happen here. Something special. Now, we know that John the Baptist is the last great Old Testament prophet. He, he built, he, he was the spade digger. He he laid the groundwork for the coming of the Messiah. He really did. We'll never appreciate the spade work that John the Baptist did. By and by, the baby was born. On the eighth day, they take uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah, take um, baby John to be circumcised. Zachariah hasn't got his voice back. And, uh, and it's the... It's the uh, Ritual of circumcision, which always took place on the eighth day of a male child. What were they to name the baby? It was a naming ceremony as well. And they said, well, his name's Zachariah, just like his father. And Elizabeth said, no, he's to be called John. And there was confusion. Well, there's no Johns in this family. And so they looked towards Zachariah, who's gesticulating And he writes on on, on a tablet, we're told, and by the way, that's not not an Android or an iPad, it's probably a little blackboard with a piece of chalk, and he writes on it, and he says his name is John, at which point his voice comes back. Remarkable. This afternoon, the Lord being my helper, I want to concentrate on the words of this song, this Benedictus song, this prophecy of Zechariah. And uh, with a prayer that we might hear what God is saying to us. May we be sensitive in case God's voice is speaking to any or even all of us here this afternoon. Because this remarkable prophecy that we're looking at here concerns the Messiah and it also concerns John the Baptist. If you have your Bible open, verses 68 to 75, uh, they concern the Messiah, Jesus And verses 76 to 79 concern John the Baptist himself. Now we can learn from verse 67 that once Zechariah believed the word of God, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he begins to prophesy. Now in a sense we have here a little bit of a picture of what happens when an unbeliever becomes a Christian. She or he sees their need of forgiveness They turn from their sin, they repudiate it, we call that repentance, and they turn from their sin to the Lord Jesus and God gives them faith to believe in the Lord Jesus as Saviour. And when a person becomes a believer, they immediately become infilled with God the Holy Spirit, just as Zachariah did two millennia ago. Now, I suspect that last week you covered the other song, the Magnificat, uh, from uh, verses 46 to 55, which was Mary's song. But let's look a little, dig a bit deeper into this prophecy, this song of Zechariah. It's, as I say, it's in two parts. The first part is about praise to God for messianic deliverance. We'll think about that. And secondly, there is a celebration of the incredibly significant role that John the Baptist is going to play in this wonderful work of deliverance, of salvation that's coming to Israel. Now in both sections, concerning Jesus and concerning John, there is this very strong emphasis on salvation, national and personal. There is also much about covenant. And the prophecies, all the prophecies, the predictions, the forecasts, the promises of the Old Testament, they're coming to a fulfilment, they're coming to a consummation. It's all coming to a crystallisation now as the long-awaited Messiah is going to come into the world and is going to be heralded by this mighty, last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist. And Luke here, in his account, uh, makes a strong connection between the Gospel and its Old Testament roots. And God's faithfulness to his covenant occupies a, a, a central position, very theologically, in this psalm, as we shall see as we go through it. So Zechariah, then, is under the power and the influence of God, the Holy Spirit, and he makes four specific prophecies about this wonderful Messiah who is about to come into the world. And what an incredibly clear view Zechariah gives uh, of the kingdom that Jesus is coming to inaugurate you know this kingdom is one in which the people of the kingdom will be able to serve God without fear and in holiness and in righteousness before him verses 74 and 75 this kingdom is one in which his people will worship him the glorious kingdom of God what is the kingdom of God Well, very briefly, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are the same things. They're words that are used interchangeably in the Gospels. The kingdom of God really is God's people, under God's rule, in God's place. That's the kingdom. And you know, this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And entrance into this kingdom is absolutely free. It costs us nothing. It, It costs God everything. Friends, this message this afternoon, it's not very long, but you know it's more important than anything else in all our lives. This is not just about the here and now of our 70 years or 80 years that we get on planet Earth. This is about eternity. Eternity. This is about what happens to your soul when you die, when you draw your last breath and you depart from this world. This is enormous, dear friends. And let me say that if you see your need, if you will turn from your sin and turn to Jesus by faith, then you too can enter this kingdom of God and have everlasting life. The first of these four prophecies that Zechariah makes are that the Messiah Jesus was the one through whom God would visit and redeem his people. Now, God, of course, throughout history, has always been involved in world's affairs. God is involved in every circumstance of life. Remember the words of Jesus, even the very hairs of your head are numbered, are not two sparrows sold for farthing without your heavenly Father. Shall not a sparrow fall to the ground without your heavenly Father's notice? In him we live and move and have our being. God is... Is above every circumstance of life, the good stuff and the not good stuff in this fallen world. But now, at this point in time, God was becoming more personally involved in the world. He was visiting the world by himself. The almighty and eternal triune God is coming down to planet Earth. Pause for a sharp intake of breath. Does anybody know a line of that hymn that says, God contracted to a span, incomprehensibly made man. Who of us can ever plumb the depths or understand the mystery of incarnation? But that's what's happening here. And the purpose of this visit, the purpose of Messiah's visit here, it was to come and to redeem, to save sinners from their sin, from death itself and from the dark caverns of hell forever. Forever this is why he came it was out of love love so powerful so strong for you and for me and as we've said the price of saving us from the dark caverns of hell well of course it was that cruel substitutionary atoning death of the lord jesus upon the cross two thousand years ago he dies to atone for sins not his own And by believing in the Lord Jesus, by confessing, by turning from and turning to him and trusting in him, we are forgiven. We have everlasting life. What a glorious message. What a gospel. Why would we as a church ever preach anything else, eh? As a lost, hurting world outside, who are desperate for truth. And we've got it, dear friends, if we love him. Secondly. The Messiah was the mighty saviour of David's house. We have in verse 69 that phrase, the horn of salvation. It's a, it's a direct reference to the Lord Jesus himself. And that word horn throughout the Old Testament, it was a symbol of strength, of power, of might. This Messiah is called the horn of the mighty one of salvation. Because he, Jesus alone, has the power, the might, the strength to save and bring us back to God. Now as I've said, all this of course had been forecast, predicted, promised and prophesied in the Old Testament. And we just don't have the time today to look at the many, many prophecies concerning him. Just one for now. Psalm 132 verse 17. There I will make the horn of David to bud. What's he talking about? The horn of David. This is the Messiah, isn't it? I have ordained a lamp for my anointed, says God. Of course, Jesus comes into the world and what does he say concerning himself? I am the light of the world. Whosoever believes in me shall never walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. All this foretold since the world began. Jesus was the seed of the woman who would break the serpent's head. Jesus was the seed promised to Abraham and his heirs in the covenant of Genesis chapter 12. All this is to do with this great word, salvation. It literally means to be saved, to be redeemed, to be brought back into the family of God, to enjoy his gift of everlasting life after this short life here and now. Great biblical word, salvation. And by this, God means spiritual and eternal salvation, a deliverance and a life that will never end. Fourthly, this Messiah was the one who fulfilled the promised mercy and covenant. That is the oath that he made to Abraham. God had promised to Abraham both mercy and a covenant of grace that would be enacted by faith. Back in the ancient world, in the ancient Near East, God had promised Abraham that if he would get up and leave his family and follow him to a country he didn't know then Abraham would receive the mercy of God and the covenant of faith. And this covenant was based on the promised seed, that is Jesus Christ himself. So Zechariah here, under the control, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was proclaiming Messiah to be the fulfilment of the promised mercy and the fulfilment of all the covenants of God in the Old Testament. Another point of application for here, I think, friends, at this point. The Lord Jesus brings the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God to all those who see their need of him. Jesus delivers us from the hands of all our enemies. Let's name our principal enemy. Who is it? He is, of course, Satan, the devil himself. And this Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, saves all who believe the promises of God, just as Abraham believed. Friends, this is glorious news, isn't it? Each one of us has the opportunity to turn from a past where we had lived ignoring God. Tonight, dear friends, the world is caught up in a web of sin and unbelief, of darkness and of ignorance. The good news is there is a way back to God from the dark paths of sin and jesus christ is that way and it's a waiting open invitation to all of us to all and sundry we can't delay the bible says now is the accepted time today is the day of salvation tomorrow may be too late and we can turn to this lord and savior who forgives us for all our sins he makes peace with god And gives us everlasting life. A home in heaven. And Jesus answers the biggest questions of life itself. Where did I come from? What is my identity? What is the purpose and meaning of my life? What will happen when I die? How we thank and praise God for this good news. This glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Answers all these huge questions. And that's what Christianity is centred on. This is our very rock our foundation of our very lives for those of us who love him. And the Lord Jesus did all this for us for so many reasons, but I just want to leave us with two principal reasons this afternoon. Firstly, he came, as Zechariah prophesies here, that we might be forgiven, that we might be adopted into the family of God, that we might enjoy him in this life and spend eternity with him on the new earth, which at the end of time he's going to recreate when Jesus comes for us. The Apostle John in his first letter, in chapter 5, verse 11 and following, says this, and this is the testimony, this is the record, this is the word of God that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that has the Son has life, and he that does not have the Son does not have life. It's very clear, isn't it? And secondly, his big purpose in saving us was that we might be transformed into his likeness, into the very likeness of Jesus himself that we might be his people, his ambassadors, his disciples, his witnesses in this world, showing out the praises of him who brought us out of darkness into his most marvellous light. And we call this process of being transformed into his likeness, we call it sanctification. Can I ask us, how are we doing in this since we first believed? We are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and following. He says, Christ Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendour, without spot or wrinkle or without any such blemish. Dear friends, this afternoon, if we're believers in, lovers of, followers of this Lord Jesus Christ, then we are the church, the glorious bride of Christ. And as we think of what we are and whose we are and the glorious eternal future of bliss that is just around the corner, is there anything better than this? You may be very young and think you're just setting out in life. Uh, Friends, this life is very, very swift. And do we really want to hang around in this world forever? I don't think so. We don't want to lose our family. We don't want to lose our friends. Uh, When death comes, of course, that's a terrible thing. Uh, It's a portal that each one of us has got to go through. But it's the entrance into glory itself. The world can't give us anything like this. We ought to be able to say with a psalmist in Psalm 73, Asa, who said, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is no one on earth I desire besides you. Is that the language of my heart this afternoon? You know, as we look out on our world tonight and modern technology, we've seen wonderful displays of it here this afternoon in our service. What a blessing and a help it is. And modern technology brings the world into our homes, doesn't it? It brings it onto our very smartphones, doesn't it? We see, don't we, a world seemingly on the edge of destruction. So much war, starvation, evil, a world that knows not God and rejects the good news of His Son, the Lord Jesus. People are desperate just for some peace and contentment. The world has failed them. The world is failing them and yet the world keeps searching and meaning for happiness but alas it's like, it's like filling a bucket with water that's, that's full of holes but for us. For us who love the Lord Jesus, firstly, we have peace with God. The Lord Jesus Christ made peace with God by his death upon the cross, his resurrection from death, his ascension into heaven, his present priestly intercession for us, and his anticipated return that we're watching and waiting for. Does anyone know that old chorus? Oh, the peace my Saviour gives, peace I never knew before. For my way has brighter grown since I learned to trust him more. Paul's words in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 seem so appropriate. Therefore, he says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God and so on. But not only do we have peace with God, friends, we can also have and experience the peace of God. Our Lord Jesus said shortly before he left this earth, he said to his friends, the disciples, he said, peace I give you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. As we draw these thoughts to a close, we've seen the song of Mary, I think, last time. We've seen the song of Zechariah today. May I ask you, what is your response to all this? Do you understand it? Do you get it? This gospel demands your verdict. You cannot remain agnostic on this. Will you accept the free gift of eternal life by believing in Jesus? Or will you pass by, as it were, on the other side and ignore the claims of Jesus on your life? Well, may God indeed help each one of us to make sure that we belong to him. And in so doing, Christmas will take on an exciting new dimension, far outshining any short-term joy that we might get
0: in this Christmas month of December.